goody goody gumdrops. You know, I I haven't even heard that in a while. Oh, I, but you've heard of goody goody gumdrops before, right? You've heard the story, the oh, yeah. the reasoning, the method. I have, and and for our, my listeners, our listeners currently, if you'd like to tell retell that story, yeah, <laughs> because it's um, funny every time. <laughs> Well, it's not my story to tell. I have my own versions of goody goody gumdrops. Yeah. Um, I also use Reese's pieces. Oh, that's fun. Um, like Reese's. Reese's are good. Basically, simply, it's a way to turn down the trauma drama. Trauma drama. I like that. Yeah. We get so wrapped up in our drama that it helps to just laugh a little bit right have fun with life for example today i found out that to fix my car from a car accident i got into a little while back it's gonna cost me five grand goody goody gumdrops <laughs> and i have to laugh right because like what else am i gonna do be angry all the time and cry about everything in life sure but am i gonna live a fulfilled life doing that no i Every time I've gone through something incredibly traumatic over the past year and a half, I've used goody goody gumdrops mm. and I've screamed it. I've kicked things and yelled goody goody gumdrops. I like, there was one time when I was, I was leaving my ex and it was very, it was nasty. It was very dramatic. It was very dramatic. I, I left in the middle of the night. Like that's mm. how dramatic it was, right? Um, it's like you planned it to be dramatic. Yeah, just for the story. Cause I love a good dramatic story as, you Who know, a, love a good storyteller. Story. <laughs> and uh, for like 45 minutes in my car, I screamed goody goody gumdrops to the sounds of Joan Jet. Nice. Yeah. It's, so it how, works. It's, it's impossible. It's, it's impossible to be angry while saying that, even if you're trying, <laughs> even yeah. if you're kicking shit and throwing things and banging doors. Oh, man. Oh. I, I I brought that up. I tr I attempted to use that with uh, with a client once who who has a lot of anger issues, and um, and it worked. <laughs> uh, someone someone who who habitually would would break things, namely like technological devices, cell phones, and whatnot. And I said, try saying this next time you want to throw your cell phone at something and see what happens. And, and lo and behold, he still has his cell phone. And, uh, and also, I have a hard time saying goody goody gumdrops. I, I've, I've found uh, instead, I just smile and laugh. <laughs> it's easy enough for me to think about it. And the, and the, the, we talk about pattern interruption a lot. We, you know, my my co-host who's usually on here with me, Ron, uh, also um, has been in lifted, and he uh, and he's uh, he's a habitual um, user as well. And we talk about how important it is to have something, whether it's you know a, a silly phrase or um, a mantra or something you can breathe into um, or giving yourself space on a regular basis to disconnect and, um, and uh, 
reset, realign yourself. Because these, this, this anger, the frustration you experience, I imagine is um, drilled into you from when you're a little, little girl. It was for me okay. when I was a little girl, I was a really angry, angry person. Oh, really? Yeah. What changed? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I changed. I became a, I became a, a, a big, strong man. Things, things got different. <laughs> oh, wow. Seems like I have a thing or two to learn to, yeah. to get to that point. <laughs> um, yeah. So what, what happened with the car? You got into a car accident and, and, and you could, you could get a new car for five grand. <laughs> I, I imagine you've explored some options. I've explored some options today. You know, I talk a lot about self-responsibility. I mm -hmm. talk a lot about taking responsibility for our actions, our thoughts and our behaviors and uh, where our world is lacking self-responsibility. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, this is a vulnerable story to tell because, um, yeah, it's, it's vulnerable. It's, it's admitting fault. It's admitting responsibility. Um, I was drunk driving and someone hit me and it was still my fault because I was drinking regardless of the fact that they hit me. I was still drinking. It was still 2.30 in the morning. And uh, the fun part about this is that I was leaving a strip club. Um, so that's what's like funny about it. Cause when the next, I was supposed to record a podcast with the one and only Mark England the next morning and it's four in the morning and I just get home and I message him and say, dude, I can't record this podcast today. Like I need time. I need to sit with like what I've been doing with my life. I need to sit with my, um, my relationship with alcohol because I had been binge drinking for about 45 days at that point. Um, and uh, wow, this is vulnerable. This feels very vulnerable to be talking about on a podcast and I'm totally here for it. Um, and I, uh, and he was like, that's okay, Sammy. It's all good. We can circle back to this and here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell everyone that you were leaving the strip club, going a hundred with a hot dude in your car. I was like two truths and a lie. <laughs> <laughs> He had no idea. <laughs> so I was oh, going man. 30. <laughs> That's the lie. <laughs> I imagine, and, and getting to know you in the last couple of weeks, I imagine you are a very um, responsible person um, in a lot of ways. Um, you you take responsible for your actions. You definitely take ownership and accountability for things, even if you fuck up. We all do. Um and, and I've, I've gotten vulnerable on this podcast too. Um, I mean, it is, that's the whole point. That's why I started a podcast to be vulnerable in public. How great is that? It's wonderful. Um, and that sounds like a very Mark England thing. I I'm, I'm surprised he didn't say let's record, um, and we'll work through your shit. <laughs> I was so shaken up. I needed yeah. time. I needed to sleep. I needed, I needed to process. Mm -hmm. Um, and I needed to make sure that my car was drivable because I was yeah. driving across the country a week mm. later. And you were okay. Here. I was okay. No one was hurt. 
Um, and I, I should, or I could, um, clarify, like I had been drinking. I wasn't like, I don't know what I would have blown. I don't know if I was, I don't know how drunk I really was. I was, I remember all of it. Mm. So I wasn't that drunk, but I had been drinking. So at this point I'm not making, I'm taking all of the responsibility possible. Um, and I might have to sell, this is my dream car and I might have to sell mm. it. it might make the most sense. Um, and I had a dream the other day that I sold it. So, um, you know, it, it's, we learn lessons in the weirdest of ways. And what's funny is I was, I was just like kind of throwing a temper tantrum an hour ago just to get some things out. Cause I was frustrated and I was like, why can't things just be easy for five minutes? I just want things to be easy for five full minutes. I've lost my AirPods. I found out that I can't, um, I can't move my stuff into my storage unit. That's getting shipped here. I found out today about the, that's going to cost 5k. Um, I'm struggling to find a place. I was like, I just want things to be easy for five minutes. And then chase, uh, posted the episode where I came onto his podcast, where I talk about how things can be easy if you let them. <laughs> and so past <laughs> me came through for current me real hard today. That's the beauty of having, of being on podcasts. Sometimes you say some profound shit. Um, I frequently uh, cycle through some things that I've spoken out loud on this that, uh, that are a really good reminder. And, uh, and also um, there's a lot of value in, in throwing a tantrum and, 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 and playing the victim for a moment and, and, you know, sometimes, and, and, you know, I've been, uh, I've been in diving into personal development for a very long time. And, um, and, and sometimes you get so far away from, from your problems, you forget what you're actually working on or working toward. And there is value in going back and digging up some shit, taking some things out of the closet in finding out, figuring out what it is that you are really, um, you know, who, who, who are you fighting against, right? Who's the person, right? Uh, who's the, who's going to remind you why you're doing the things you're doing, why you're working so hard, why you are uh, crushing like the game right now. And, and what's, What's wild is we live in a world where, um, you know, we have social media and from my perspective and from talking to you, um, you're doing some amazing things right now and sharing all your wins. And, uh, and I know the people you're getting to spend a lot of time with. And, and I imagine that's really um, valuable for you and you're having a great time and you're loving life. And then there's also this side, there's also the struggle. And it's a good reminder to that. Everyone is human. I, I was talking to, uh, to Will today, Will Burnett. Um, and we're good friends. He's, uh, I just had him, I just released the podcast I did with him 
beautiful. If you haven't listened to it yet, I cry every time I, I hear his voice. It's, it's amazing. And uh, to this morning, we were speaking and he's like, I was so upregulated this morning and I got so frustrated with my, with everything that's going on. And we had all this, these things that we had to take care of. And then I took a breath <laughs> and sometimes even like people like, like Will, who, um, you know, portrays himself as superhuman sometimes, um, can be human. And I said that to him, I, I said, Hey, your, your human is showing <laughs> secrets out, you know, we can, uh, we can struggle too. You know what's funny is social media is such a small part of what we see of people's lives. And one thing that I tell all of my clients, and for those of you listening, I'm a copywriter. So I serve coaches, wellness professionals, entrepreneurs, and guide them to write better copy. And then I also write copy for them. Um, and copy is anything written that leads to a sale or leads to an action. Um, People want authenticity. Your audience, your clients want to see your blood, sweat, and tears because they have blood, sweat, and tears. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't want to see the perfect version of anyone because they don't believe it. They know mm -hmm. perfection doesn't exist. So when I see these, like, when I see these brands that act as if they have it all together, yeah, they might have like 15,000 followers, but I'm curious how many of those convert. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, when I was coaching and I got really vulnerable with people, for instance, when I opened up about leaving an abusive relationship, when I finally opened up about leaving a narcissist and the process of that and what it looked like to heal that, so many people reached out to me and said they wanted to work with me because they were like, I can tell you've been through shit and That's you it. came out the other side. And yeah, I mean, who would want to work with a person who hasn't been through the thing, right? And, and I can't, it's a negation of knowledge. I cannot and, and imagine trying to sell somebody something that I haven't already experienced myself or tested out, tried. Um, and we have, you know, we, this is a big thing in the, in the fitness industry. Like you, there's a lot of I know a lot of CrossFit coaches and even people who own facilities, gyms who are overweight, out of shape, um, probably need some emotional support and help and, and aren't looking for it. And yet they're trying to do this thing because it's, uh, they think it's going to make them money. I see this a lot. Um, and then there's the same person overweight, out of shape, needs emotional support, is doing all the work and has the, the people, has the support, has the clientele because they're on that journey. And, uh, and, and it's something I've been working on, working on doing more is sharing that vulnerable side and showing that, yeah, I've been through some things. I've, I've done, I've had some of my own problems. I'm still experiencing uh, my own uh, my own internal struggles. And I can relate to people for sure with that. Um, and then another thing is just asking people to, to ride along with you. Like that's, that's something I've learned about, um, you know, that makes it easier to sell when it's, in, when it's, um, when you're inviting people into something 
and asking people to join you on this in this process. And yes, I have a little more knowledge because I've spent the money to go get certified in things and I've trained and I've learned and I have the education and also I give a shit. Right? And I wanna see other people succeed and, and grow and make magic happen. And it's nice when that happens too. It's nice when um, it, it feels really good when I can see other people experience the thing that things that I have that I've experienced because I know how good it feels personally. Imagine you've you've uh, you've done the same. You've experienced some some of that as well. Yeah, I mean, hmm, you know, paying it forward. Hmm. Uh, one of my favorite parts about the language game is watching people figure it out for themselves. You know, that's the beautiful part about playing a one word game is you're coaching people, not by telling them, but, or even asking them questions, you're guiding them to figure it out for themselves, uh, which is super cool. Um, and I imagine like I would, I'm getting a show right now, folks. <laughs> so it's super warm here. As putting well. a t-shirt on instead of um, keeping my. Does wall. this happen on all of your podcast episodes, Matt? There was one episode where I was naked the entire time, and uh, no one will ever know which one it is because they're just listening on audio. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> the weirdest things happen on podcasts, folks, because it's You'd all be live and in the moment. Um, what I was going to say is, like, I'd be curious about, you know, just in some of the conversations you and I have been having around leadership and around, you know, the 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 offers and the 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 um, skill set you have to to bring leaders forward in themselves, what stories that you've struggled with, with leadership mm. and like times when you felt like you failed as a leader and times when like people called you forward in your leadership and times when you're, um, when you fell below your own expectations for yourself and how you moved through that. Like, those are the kinds of things that like I would love to hear and read mm. about and would inspire me. Cause sometimes like even right now, mm -hmm. like I've since, since running full force with my agency, uh, with mm. Nico, I get to have a new vision for myself as a leader and a new vision for myself as a CEO. Mm. And I've had someone approach me who wants to be my apprentice. And I, um, I'm super excited about that because she has so much promise and potential and she's already in a really great spot. And it allowed me to, and then I've pulled a lot of like teacher cards in, like, you know, tarot and animal decks and stuff like that recently. So it's allowing me to see myself as that and to, to grow into that next point and go, okay, mm. what does it mean to be a good leader? What does it mean to be a good teacher? Where am I holding myself back in this? Because I'm scared because I've failed before. Um, what are the stories playing around in that? And um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's already 
really exciting. And I do see copywriters as being leaders because mm. we're the voice behind the scenes. And that's, you know, part of my mission that came out when I was in your masterclass in your workshop um, about writing the revolution. Mm. And I really do see be, like being able to be a grander part of this revolution by being a copywriter because it's an entrepreneur and I get to help everyone else grow and everyone else like show their, their mastery through, through words, through my words, um, well, through our words, cause it's a comp copywriting is a, co a collaboration. Um, and it's, it's a huge leadership undertaking and I'm here for it. That is, that is so, um, you reminded me of a lot of things with what you just said. Um, and one, when you mentioned, you know, you, when you said you'd love to hear about, um, you know, what I've experienced, what I, where I've fallen short, how I learned these lessons. Um, I pictured myself just flickering through a Rolodex of all these different stories I could pull out depending on the scenario. Um, there have been so many, um, where I've fallen short and mostly of my own expectations of what I believe leadership is supposed to be, right? There's, uh, there's, and I've done enough should detoxing for myself to, to, to um, break out of that habit of, of holding myself to these ridiculous expectations. And also I know some rules that go around, uh, that are around being, being a good leader. And I do talk about a lot of these things in my coaching and my events, my, my workshops, like what are, what's important, what's valuable. And, and one of the things we talk about, we preach a lot on this podcast is ownership, taking responsibility, which thank you for doing that and being vulnerable, telling your story about um, your car accident. And I was really impressed with how you took ownership over that even though it, it wasn't your fault, air quotes there, um, there's always an aspect of where it's your fault. And that's the, the dichotomy of leadership because sometimes it's not. And yet as someone who wants to see other people succeed as a copywriter, as a coach, as a mentor, as a business owner, as a leader, it's really important it's really important to say, okay, well, it's my job to make sure that things are, that things unfold as planned or everyone is safe or um, life is good, whatever it is that you want. Um, and that's where ownership comes into play. I mean, I've owned, um, you know, owned different businesses over the years, mostly in the fitness space, uh, CrossFit gyms, especially, right? I've had two, three, three different CrossFit businesses. And I used to spend a lot of time um, when things would go wrong, blaming, blaming other people, especially like my, my staff. Um, and I remember this one time, and it was a couple of years ago when uh, I was really burnt out. Like I wanted a break. I wanted to um, be able to just stay home one day or not have to go in. And, and one of my, one of the coaches, um, didn't show up for, for her class, uh, when she was supposed to open up. And I, 
or no, she, she actually texted me and was like, Hey, I'm not going to make it. And this was about 10 minutes ahead of time. Um, and I was home. <laughs> I was, I was in my living room, like relaxing because I thought I earned it. Um, and I, uh, I reacted poorly, freaked out, cursed her out, <laughs> jumped in my car, sped over there, which takes 15 minutes. I got there in 10, right on time, or maybe a minute late. Um, all the excuses on her part, all the excuses on my part, neither of them was helpful. Excuses aren't helpful. Action is helpful. Um, my reaction was poor because I didn't, you know, assess the situation well as I'm trained to do. And as I preach, I was not practicing what I preach. Um, and it ended up okay in the long run because, hey, I did what I had to do and created dissonance, right? Dissonance between me and an employee, dissonance in the environment we were in. Um, and these things happen all the time. And that's just one example of the time that I've fucked up. And this was recent. And this is after I've already started like preaching about these things. And yet I found myself, I found myself looking in the mirror saying, okay, I have to be more aware of when these things are happening and when I can take better ownership in the moment. Um, and what I noticed and I, and I, I noticed this even more so going through the lifted process and learning the language around these things is um, sometimes it's enough to cross out the word, right? You already said the word, but you could cross it out and restart over. And sometimes it's not enough, right? Sometimes you have to make amends. Sometimes you've gone too far. Um, and that's where the, the most learning happens. That's where the most uh, change occurs is when you um, can look back, go through the stories, recognize the places you fell short, and then take the steps that are necessary to make sure it does not happen again, to make sure you are better prepared. Um, and to, your, to what you said about becoming a teacher, that's a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm excited for you to be doing that. Um, I forget who it was, probably Mark England. Um, Most of my quotes are Mark England. He's got a lot and he so steals cool. them. And I, yeah, like he is, I think he does it on purpose. Um, I've actually been called quotable too. Um, I, I dated this girl once years ago who said, I, I talk like a fortune cookie. I just speak in parables <laughs> and it was really funny that. um and and one of the things i like is i've heard is that you know if you're coaching you're also in sales mm -hmm. and i look at copywriting as if you're really good at it you're going to be a really good coach because you're trying to get somebody to change their behavior in a way in a lot of ways and ethically like the how you um speak about sales it's really important because my understanding of ethical sales is 
if I recognize that somebody has um, this problem that I know I can solve, then it becomes my responsibility to solve that problem. It would be unethical not to. And that means I have to do everything possible to coach them, to sell them on this idea that I can help. Right? And on the opposite side of that, if I don't have that ability, if I'm not going to be the one to solve that problem, then I'm not the guy to sell them something. It's my job to find someone else, find something else for them. Did you come to, to my workshop? No. What's I saw, I said that in my workshop. Did you? I did. I said coaching is sales and sales is coaching. Mm. And I talked about how, um, yeah, listeners, I at the uh, Matt and I met actually at the Strong Coach Summit where we each taught a workshop, which was an awesome experience. Um, it was so much fun to teach a workshop in person like that, mm-hmm. and to ex- and to take workshops in person again. Um, yeah. the student in me, the straight A student in me was thriving that weekend. Mm. Um, back to back I, to back to back to back workshops. It was a lot. It was yeah. a lot, but it was, it was, it was, it was awesome. good. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> um, so I talked about that coaching is sales and sales is coaching. When you're coaching, you're always selling people on becoming a better version of themselves. Mm-hmm. And when you're in sales, you're coaching people all the way from that first DM through mm-hmm. always until they tell you to go away. <laughs> and even then you could probably still coach them. Yeah. Well, my, my thing is follow up until they tell you to shut up or they're dead. Like that's, <laughs> and I just use nicer terms than what I usually use. I, I typically curse a lot in my presentations. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. Yeah. It's, it's more fun that way. And it comes from an authentic place. Exactly. Um, uh, and it's also, you know, the Northeast and each of us. <laughs> I was uh, in Canarsie so the other day, by the way. Oh, yeah. Did on you Saturday. Think <laughs> Not me. My dad. My dad's from Canarsie. <laughs> Spent maybe like 10 minutes in Canarsie. Really? Yeah, Keep going. I interrupted you. Oh, no, you're good. Uh, so it's it's really, um, I mean, copy is sales writing. I, I love sales uh, for a lot of reasons, ethical sales. And I do mean ethical sales. Like I, we, I only serve health and wellness businesses that I believe in um, because it's a movement. Not It's not about money. It's about a movement. And then the money helps support the movement. Um, and I love, I, I've, I've, I, you know, where did I hear for the first time that coaching is sales and sales is coaching? I believe I heard it from Matt Walrath of Beyond Macros. Um, he was my first mentor that I hired uh, when I entered this industry. And I worked for him as well for six months as his DM setter, as a salesperson. Um, and I believe he was the one that said that. And if it was Mark that you heard it from, I imagine Mark learned that from Matt as well. No, I, it was um, before Mark that I it was heard it. Mark. I might have even just made it up. I don't remember. You might have. I don't know, but we're speaking awesome. the same language, dude. It's great. Yeah. Um, and it's so important <clears throat> for coaches to understand because so many coaches are afraid of sales. A lot of people are afraid of sales. Um, it's the the biggest thing I hear, um, and I've I've you know trained coaches in sales because hey, I we need we're a business. I'd love for you to make money. 
in order to do that, sell personal training, sell nutrition packages, sell this t-shirt, right? You have to, there is an aspect of sales and knowing like sales means you can probably convince someone that deadlifting is safe for their back or that they're not going to get bulky if they lift, right? That's sales. And what I end up hearing the rebuttal, the objection is, well, you know, I don't want to come off as like a, a salesman or sleazy or like a car salesman or something. And I imagine a lot of what people have um, in their heads around sales interactions is what they see on commercials, TV, or yeah, in a, in a car dealership where all they want to do is sell you a car and they don't care how they do it, what they're, you know, what it takes, they're going to try to sell you a car um, because they have to hit a quota. And that's just the aspect that you see. And I thought that's for a while too, but maybe not specifically. I didn't think it was so important to learn how to sell. It took me a long time to recognize like, Hey, I could do this better. There's something to this. It's there's a game we can play here. It's, it is a game. funny. It is a game. Mm -hmm. And I started my, I mean, not started. I've been in sales for many years in different ways. Um, but when I started my first job as a salesperson, where that was like my job was when I worked at a gym and I hated mm -hmm. it because I felt so sleazy. <laughs> I felt so sleazy, even though I was trying to sell people a better life. I was like, <clears throat> I didn't know how to sell them a better life yet. Um, and in, in gym sales, it's like right then and there. Cause once they walk out the door, it's, it's pretty difficult to bring them back in. Um, at least where I, where we were, I, I know that that's different in different gyms, um, and in different locations, but, you know, it's funny. You're talking about selling them this t-shirt or selling them this, um, you know, selling them on, uh, fitness packages and the key to all of that, and I'm sure you know this, and one of the biggest things I talk to people about, like one of the number one thing I have repeated over and over and over again to all of these new clients I've brought on in the past few weeks is you're not selling the t-shirt, you're selling the life that they live with the mm -hmm. t-shirt. Yeah. Is you're not selling the fitness package, you're selling the life after, and it's as simple as features versus benefits. The features is the t-shirt, the features is the yoga, the meditation, the breath work. What is the benefit? What's actually going to change for them? What's their life going to look like afterwards? And it's, we see it all the time. And it's like that post that I shared today, that text message that mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw it. I got this text message and <laughs> I pay attention to all marketing that comes my way. Any marketing that comes my way, I'm analyzing it. I'm deciding if I like it or not. I'm deciding, I'm trying to I would feel in my body, like what kind of emotional reaction mm. does it bring out of me? And I read this one and it, I, we've got three rules, four ish rules, but let's start with three. <laughs> Who's it from? Who's it for? And what's in it for me, meaning the audience, what's in it for the audience? What are the, the benefits? And this was from a gym and it must've been from Seattle because it was a 206 number. And it was just like, we have a 90 day challenge starting up free nutrition plans, free, this free, that customized this mm -hmm. cryotherapy. It was all 
features. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is the point of this? Are we losing weight? Are we gaining muscle? Are we hold, getting summer bodies? Like what's, what's like all bodies are summer bodies, but you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I, like the whole point, I was like, what is the benefit? What am I going to gain from this other than all of these tools and all of this work? Cause right now you're just stressing me out with work that I need to do to get what, what I want. Also, I don't know who you are. They never said what gym it is. And I don't, and on the surface, you would look at on the surface, like an untrained eye would be like, would not necessarily recognize that all of those things were missing, but I would bet that their conversion rate is incredibly low. Mm. Um, but it was why I brought it to the surface and several people messaged me like, whoa, if I got that, I would think it was probably good marketing because it was, because it was laid out well. There was a lot of like emojis. emojis that, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. And, and, and that stuff, it, it's the volume game for mm -hmm. sure. You know, they'll send, I imagine, 10,000 of those more whoever opted in for the, on this like ad campaign they did one time or over the course of years and they've got a hundred thousand phone numbers and they don't care who responds but if they get five responses which they might because some people are gullible or you know they do look for those things they might be looking for that specific feature at that very specific moment and say oh well that sounds like a great thing right now let me just take advantage of that it's rare though and and in a, a if you're a micro gym a smaller uh facility or you have a higher value service you're not getting shit for that and uh do, do you imagine that that worked <laughs> did you do you imagine that anyone <laughs> responded to that did you respond to it well, as we're sitting here, I'm going, I could respond to it and just revise it and send it back to them <laughs> and be like, hey, if you're looking for a copywriter, Ooh. I could 10 times your conversion rates. Mm. Um, send them. You know, what's funny. I got a I got a DM once from a person who was trying to sell me a, a travel package. Um, she's a travel agent, she said. Hey, I really like your page. I, I think you would enjoy this, this, and this, and this. We have these great deals, etc. Um, and she was a person. It wasn't like a bot or anything. Um, so I responded. I asked her, um, why should, why do you think that is? Why do you, why do you think I'm a good fit for this? I started selling her. <laughs> um, she's a client of mine now. She wants to be a, a coach. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, you should totally do that. Respond, start talking. I um, will. Well, I don't know if it's a bot. <laughs> What's funny is I actually did that this morning with someone else. Hmm. I can be, I can be a little mean to people who cold DM me. It's I mean, an opportunity. I, it's such an opportunity. It's such it's practice. Well, yeah. people cold DM me and they're selling coaching. They're selling mm -hmm. sales, right? Yeah. All these mentors who are reaching out Mm -hmm. Back to your back to your point earlier of people who've like say that they've gone through something and have it. Mm. So many coaches, we don't have a better business bureau of coaching industry. <laughs> There's so many coaches out there who are like, make your first 10K month, who've never made a 10K month as a coach. Right. They just downloaded an ad funnel, yeah. um, changed around the, the names and the pictures and and you know, paid for a sponsorship like that. 
Exactly. Or they're just like, they knew that they could make more mm. as a business mentor than as a fitness coach. Mm. So they went straight for the fitness coach, but didn't re or went straight for the business men mentor, but didn't really get to a consistent place or a scalable mm. place with the fitness coaching. And I'm very particular about in the few years that I've been in this industry about who I give my money to because of that. I immediately mm. sensed that from people. Um, and I, I, I sensed it because I would say to, I, I had said to the various mentors that I'd interviewed, or I had said, um, if you can't sell me, I don't want to learn sales from you. Hmm. Or is that a challenge? Oh, for Matt Walrath, he was great. He was so <laughs> great. I loved every second of it. I never felt like I was being sold. Mm -hmm. I loved, I loved the process. He helped me figure out what I really wanted on the sales call. I mm -hmm. felt seen. I felt listened to. I felt appreciated from the moment I was DM'd and through the entire time I was his client and that I worked for him. Like I still talk that man up all the time. I learned invaluable concepts from him. I mm -hmm. set up my business really effectively. I was able to scale to five, 10 K months. With, I was able to scale to five K months within the first six months mm -hmm. and 10 K months within a year. And, um, that was a combination of him, another, uh, mentorship that I invested in that was specific to DM sales. Um, because I was also working as a DM salesperson and I wanted to get even better at it and more efficient at it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and Mark England and like, you know, just doing the damn thing with Mark. It's just like, put it on the calendar and go voice note a hundred people. And I would do that. And I made my first 10 K month doing that. Mm -hmm. Like it was that easy. Um, so with the, with the DMS, you know, somebody messaged me today and, um, was just like, Hey, I think you'd be interested in joining our Facebook group because for, for coaches, entrepreneurs, blah, 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 or coaches, consultants, et cetera. And I responded to her. I was like, Hey, if you looked at my profile and did your due, di due diligence at all, you would see that my first post is that I'm no longer a coach and that I'm a copywriter. So if you actually, if you want to learn more about how to not cold pitch and how to spend more time with your warm clients, with people mm -hmm. who you actually want to serve, let me know. And I can record you a loom. I'd be happy to do that for you. And she was like, thanks for the offer. And I think she was probably embarrassed, mm -hmm. understandably, like, you know, it's, it's, it's all right there. My profile is public. You can go to my profile and see that I'm no longer a coach. So why are you pitching me on a coaching program? How much of what you see, and we're going back to the, to what you see on social media though, how much of what you see on social media is true in what people portray? You know, I've been using social media for a long time, 13, 15 MySpace. years. I don't know. MySpace. Needs. MySpace. Yeah. How old are you? 31. So okay. I remember, yeah, I had MySpace. That was weird. Um, <laughs> I did I, yeah, I remember oftentimes, and, and especially in those days, like I was like, for me, freshman year of high school, eighth grade, seventh grade, I was young. And, uh, you know, you got to be this different person. You got to be this imaginary thing. You got to play, play pretend in this world where you did interact with those people usually because, you know, at that time it was still pretty limited to who you knew, right? That was your network on Facebook, MySpace and everything. Um, and you got to say, well, I, get, I can show people who I want to be. 
not who I am. And it, I imagine it, it and, and now it's probably difficult because, you know, kids are growing up with that from a very young age, but um, it creates like a separation of identity of people not really knowing who they are, what they are, what they want. And you can use that to your advantage. And I made a post about this a couple of weeks ago. Like you can actually use social media um, as a vision board if you wanted to. Follow all the accounts that you want to um, start seeing more of in your life, right? Um, you can utilize the law of attraction, the particular activating system and create this reality for yourself. Play, pretend, act as if, and all of a sudden things are true. You want to be a, a copywriter? Be a copywriter. Start talking about copywriting. Start following accounts. You want to be a, an, uh, I want to, I would love to, to learn. Oh man, I want to, I want to fly planes one day. I'm going to start following pilots and talk to pilots. And maybe one day I'll get to make, get to hang out with one and they'll invite me on a plane. I'm going to do that. Pause real quick. Is that really a goal of yours? Do you want to fly a plane? Yeah. My, my, uh, my mom, my grandfather, my father were all pilots or they, they flew. My, my grandfather was an actual pilot and he actually died in a plane crash of which he was piloting the plane. Um, but it's been, yeah, it's always been a, this dream of mine to uh, to be able to jump in a plane and fly to the place I want to go instead of have to drive. That sounds like fun. Have you written it down? Yeah, of course. Okay, cool. I'm just curious. It's, well, it's, you said dream. You said dream. Um, dream, vision, fine. Yeah. What's one of your dreams? Hmm. <clears throat> well, I still, I love the definition of dream and vision <laughs> being different from a goal by that a dream and vision is not written down. So um, uh, a goal of mine um, is to complete a book. Like like read a whole book? (laughs) Well, yeah, kind of actually in this year. Um, (laughs) uh, Write a whole book. I'm halfway through one Um, and I wrote down some goals the other day to um, collect more information for for that while I'm home in Florida visiting my parents, so to work on it there. Um, and I'd like to have um, three books written in three years. Mm-hmm. So that that came out um, when I during the the ninety day planning that we did. Mm. Um, and I've started, I'd started the first one, uh, while I was in my, um, while I was with my past partner. Um, and then the second one I haven't started yet. And I've had a friend suggest to me that I make the book cover for it on Canva. And I'm scared. Like fear is super holding me back from making that book cover because this second one is most likely a memoir, although what's been coming out of me in writing has been fiction, which is really interesting. Like I've been writing in hmm. in that style and like novel style when I like just free write and have fun when like stories just come out of me when that happens. Like it's been like it's been novel style. So I wonder if I'm meant to tell my story in the form of a novel. Hmm. Um, Through imagine your imagination. Yeah, which 
feels. Cause right now I'm like, who wants to hear my story? But every time I mm. tell my stories, people are like, tell me more. Like mm. I, I've been healing chronic pain since I was a kid. I was bald for many years. I have, I have a lot of stories to tell that people relate to. And people are like, you're so brave for telling and being vulnerable about. And yet I'm still like, no one wants to hear. Just like mm. I, I say to myself, no one wants to hear me sing. And then turns out everyone wants to hear me sing. Well, not yeah. everyone, but a lot of people want to hear me sing. I mean, people um, that want to listen to music. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a weird one. I was uh, got a lot of trauma around singing, mm. and um, on and I had this dream last year of like putting on a show for my friends that I wasn't taking action mm. on, and then on New Year's. I was like snuggling up with some friends and we had, we had a party and one of my friends, uh, Lance Davis, if you know him, yeah. um, he goes, Sammy, will you sing? And I was like, no one wants to hear me sing Lance. He was like, I want to hear you sing. And then everyone else goes, we all want to hear you sing. And Ben joys like Sammy sing <laughs> and like. Ben Joy and I end up putting on like a full musical theater show. I ended up like pulling out some stuff from the old one woman show that I wrote. Uh, whole bar bar I did a Barbara Streisand tribute when I was a cruise director for two years. Um, and it completely flipped my perception around that people want to hear me sing. And, um, and like that, the only one I've been waiting for permission, I've been waiting for other people to give me permission to sing. And so since new year's, I've been giving myself permission to sing and it's been messy. It's been weird. I've like done it at weird times and that's okay. Cause I'm just like giving myself permission to just do it. Mm -hmm. And every time there's at least one person sitting there crying. <laughs> Cause I like to sing songs with powerful lyrics cause the words matter. Yeah. And the songs. Oh man. I am a yes. Make that book cover. <laughs> just start it's simple just start and that's a start it's also like you, you make that book cover you put it in front of you so it's a reminder it's a manifestation it's a pro part of the process um and yeah it's beautiful i'm excited to read and you can you can do these things in iterations you can have a memoir, you can have a fiction novel series, you can have children's books that all tell the same stories in a different tone, use different words, speak to a different audience. You can do what feels good. Because I would like to write a novel for teenagers. Mm. Um, especially around the, the, I, I had this disorder called trichotillomania. So I pulled my hair out for many years. Mm. Um, and I how long did like it take you to learn how to pronounce that trichotillomania? Well, it was screamed at me by every psychiatrist mm. and therapist in my childhood. They put me right in that box mm. and forced medication down my throat at a very young age. So, um, not long at all. It was very fast because it became my entire identity. Talk about identity work. 
um, be careful what you tell kids, folks, because they'll listen and then they'll mm -hmm. start living that identity. They'll believe you. Yeah. yeah. You, you tell them that it's not fixable. They'll believe that they'll always be stuck that way, that they're damaged, that they're, that they're sick. I believed I was sick. And I'm curious how that belief of me being sick perpetuated the chronic pain. This is, well, <laughs> rabbit holes. Such a rabbit um, hole. We could have done that. Yeah, my, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a gripe against the educational institutions of the world. And uh, yeah, I think I sent you the episode I did with Chase. We talked about that and my, uh, our anarchy against the education system that's going to happen. You sent me um, the one with William mm. and I started listening to the one with Chase and didn't yeah. finish. Um, so I'll check that out. Yeah. Um, yeah, with him, I talked about it with Kristen too, Kristen Davis. Mm. Um, she and I have been back and forth about this a lot. <laughs> She's got some things to say too about education and that, yeah. How much, how many kids, and this is my, my true vision for the future, for what my, for what my business becomes for the Summit Academy is how many kids um, never get to live their potential and become leaders. How many kids never get the opportunity to use their voice um, or have been told you've got so much potential um, but nothing really happens after that because that's useless you've got potential great but what do i do with it what is that potential how um, or they're put into a box they're told they have a condition right they're put into a special class or told they have a, a disorder you know how many disorders i've had <laughs> They're fun. Think of the disorder <laughs> thing. You know, that's just the sad. teacher's projection because they don't know how to handle it or, you know, communicate well enough to teach that student, you know? So things are changing. Go on. Unfortunately, it's like, it's what they want. They don't want leaders. Mm -hmm. or, or we'd be taking philosophy classes in school or we'd be think taking critical thinking classes in school. We're not breed. We're not being bred to be leaders. We're being bred to be to be sheep. That's the whole point. That's this revolution. That's what we're doing here, right? Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is, um, I took a sales class from uh, Tony Robbins, lead sales dude. Eli starts with a W. I don't remember right now. Um, and what stunned me. And I rewatched this part over and over and over again. He was like, what people buy these days, what people are purchasing is leadership. We're so hungry for leadership because we're not getting it that we're like real. throwing yeah. our money at leadership. Wow. That's the, when you, when you say that, um, and, and it makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a lack of accountability in the world, in the current, in, in what we see as leadership, politics, um, education, like teachers. Those are the people who should be leaders and- First, Medical system. Yeah. 
the medical system, aka salesmen in white coats. Um, yeah, lack of accountability. It's just banter too. It's entertainment at this point. And when people see real um, potential, real leadership, someone who they can actually stand behind or a cause they can actually get behind, yeah, they're going to step into that. They're going to buy into it. And sometimes that's great, right? And, you know, look at the things that we've been able to do. And then sometimes it's really sad because there's people who portray um, good leadership and, uh, and steer people in the wrong direction. Like those coaches who think they can sell you on a, on this thing so you can make 10 K a month in 30 days or less. Sad. And here we are talking on through a microphone all about it. What is, uh, what do you imagine is uh, coming this year because we've had a lot of uh, we've had a lot of wild things happen in the recent years. What do you imagine is going to be the next the next big thing? The next. Hmm. Well, you're asking either the right or the wrong person. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you a little story. A little story. Uh, yes. So the past, up until the past six weeks, I was going through quite a dark night of the soul. Um, long, I've actually been in a solid place for the past, like pretty much, pretty much since new year's when I decided to become a copywriter, everything in my life and to move to Austin, everything started switching because everything in my life started aligning. Um, I was living in deep fear around the shenanigans that have been happening and what it's been and what it's going to lead to deep, deep, deep fear, debilitating, um, uh, unable to get out of bed because what's the point fear. And I had a lot of coaches, a lot of friends who were trying to lift me up and who were reminding me that fun is the point and that, um, adventure is the point and love is the point. And, um, and I was so scared for the future and I couldn't really get myself out of this funk, but I, and, and, uh, all of my friends, about 30 of my friends were headed to this lane eight concert in, um, at red rocks in Colorado. And I didn't have the ticket. I didn't really have the money. And I called my mom and I was like, mom, there's this concert. I can afford the flight. I can't afford the ticket right now. I really want to go. I know that there's this guy who I want to meet there. I really want to work with. And I know I need to hug him. Like, I don't know what it is. I know I need to hug him. So I know I need to go to this and I'll pay you back for the ticket. My mom was like, I, I want you to go live your life and be happy. Like, go be happy. <laughs> I don't care about the money. I'm like, okay, nice. mom. So she bought me the ticket. Right. And I had the most amazing concert. I hugged who I was supposed to, who ended up being Chris Marhefka. And now I work for them. I do work for training camp for the soul. So that was, I, that came back tenfold already. Um, and uh, I had the most amazing time at the concert. There were a few times when I would jump into the rabbit holes, into the conspiracy rabbit holes. Um, they took our phones during the concert because it was a, this never happened show. So we had our phones, but we like put them in magnetic sleeves. Ooh. But on the screen, they said, 
Um, if you have any problems, any medical emergencies, dial this number. And my mind is like, that's so irresponsible. Like that's so irresponsible. They it has to be on like, what's wrong with them. They have to have like, go somewhere. If something, we don't have our phones, like if there's an emergency, there needs to be like, and this is like the cruise director in me. This is like the, 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 the person who likes to make sure all the safety procedures are in effect. I love having all the safety procedures like ready to go. The end of the concert comes, they flip the lights back up. Of course, there's plant medicines involved in this experience. We go outside and there's buses, there's trucks. And I'm, I was raised Jewish. So there's some background information here. Um, there's buses, there's trucks. I walk out, I look around and I start immediately panicking. And I turn to my friend and I say, they're taking us to concentration camps. It's happening right now. The government switch, they're taking us right now. Flipping out, flipping out. I wanted to run. I wanted to bolt into the woods. And I knew that if I left my friend, I knew that that was the wrong call because I knew that I was putting myself in panic. And as it was happening, I was like, Sammy, if this is happening right now, you're not doing well. Like you're not handling it well. Like you gotta be a warrior be a warrior. This is not the warrior style. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't get myself there. So for a long time, that's where I was seeing us going. Mm. And I didn't, and I knew that that's what it was, what, what it was that that was in my mind. And yet I was so afraid to admit it to myself, but I was in there Mm. and I've been pulling myself out of that trip since. And I have been determined to be a part of the solution and a part of the revolution since. Mm. So where do I see things going? Depends on how we, how, how we do. Depends on how strong we are, how we collaborate, how many people we bring into the revolution. And by revolution, y'all, I'm not talking about like getting up in arms. Like I, I, I don't want that. I don't want messiness. I want happy, healthy people. I want access to healthcare. I want access to food that's that's not toxic. I, you know, we want water that's not poisoned. We want justice. You know, we're talking, we want truth. I want bodily autonomy. I want the freedom to love the person next to me. That's what I'm talking about. So I, I would rather things not get to the point of taking up arms. That's not what I want because that's messy and people die. We don't want that. Um, what is the answer? I'm learning what the answer is by talking to people every day, Mm. by going to things like the summit and having conversations with people by asking people who know more than I do. And I'm having some cool, since I've started my reparenting revolution, I've had some very cool conversations with people on and off the microphone, Um, mostly off the microphone because those people aren't ready to, to say it publicly yet. Mm -hmm. Um, The next big thing. Could you tell me about that? Could you tell me about your podcast and about your, uh, Yes. Your mission. Um, so as you beautifully said earlier, we have a lot of leaders who fail to take responsibility. The way I see it, we've got a bunch of wounded inner children and adult bodies ruling the world right now. So reparenting is the act of parenting our <clears throat> inner child. It is the act of taking responsibility for the screaming, um, emotionally emotional outbursts that we all have. (laughs) It's, it's about taking responsibility for 
for ourselves and for our communities and for our world. And it does start with taking responsibility for our smell, for our smells, for our smells, for ourselves (laughs) in, uh, in the small ways and in the large ways. Um, so I start, and this all came when I was having a little outburst myself, I was like having a, when I say like tantrums, I mean, like, I'm going to put myself in a room and get it all out. Right. So uh, I was having a little tantrum with a friend around, um, with a friend. Around, with a friend. Yeah. Well, I was like, can I just, can you hold the bucket for Come a few over, minutes? You want to have a she tantrum was like, yeah. Quick. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, and it came down where I was like, we are the generation that's breaking generational trauma. We are the generation that is creating a revolution. We are the reparenting generation. And I was like, oh, we're a reparenting revolution. And it happens over and over again when I talk to people where they bring up, they're just like, where they bring up an aspect of leaders not taking responsibility or of people screaming out and blaming each other and all these issues that come down to scared inner children. And, so and, a, and a fear too. There's, I imagine there's a fear of confrontation there, fear of confronting that, or uh, as I like to say, slaying the dragon, right? It's the big thing. It's the big thing that someone is, that somebody was afraid of when they were seven or 10 or whatever age it was. Maybe it was their dad. Maybe it's that stuff. Maybe it, it was a, a teacher. Maybe it was some like weird shit. They're just afraid to talk about. Playing by society's rules mm-hmm. is playing by the what we learn. <clears throat> and when we begin to heal, we have to unlearn all that we learned that doesn't actually serve us. Mm-hmm. And that's scary because all of a sudden you can find yourself no longer happy in your marriage, in your job, in your community. That is scary. What if everything, like so many influencers and like if they did inner child work, they wouldn't want any of it anymore because they wouldn't want the popularity. They wouldn't, they wouldn't want the money anymore. They would be like, none of it matters. I, uh, What's the point? It, a lot of those people, the influencers, the, the people who chase the next big thing who are super successful right on paper make lots of money have lots of friends all that stuff they're really battling something internally um and you know surface level life is great even in their perception yeah they may deal with some shit they may have some uh, disorders (laughs) diagnoses that they've been given Um, and they think it's normal. It's okay. And also, you know, there's trauma buried in there. There's, they, they probably go to sleep at night thinking, thinking about things or they have behavioral patterns that they are struggling to break that are really harmful to their relationships, their environment, their, you know, the reason why they can't maintain a stable relationship or the reason why they can't, um, stay in one place for too long they have to keep traveling and i imagine feeling that one same <laughs> um also it's the, it's the point we're, we're we're gonna die eventually we're on this journey to our inevitable death mm-hmm. what are we gonna do between now and then 
complain, <laughs> cry, stay in one place. Well, crying is okay, but you know, ruminate over the past. Instead, work through that stuff, focus on like now. And uh, yeah, you start healing some of that stuff. You start healing the, the inner child stuff and you can really, you can really mess with a person's like current state of being, their identity. That's why I like to get ahead of it in the, with, with a lot of people when, when I coach is work through the identity first, help people understand that they, it's okay to have like multiple things that you care about, right? Instead of identifying with just one thing like your job or, you know, this, this one sports team or this one band that you liked when you were growing up or the fact that you have always done it this way. It's uh, very limiting. Yeah. The one of, I've always done it this way. That one irks me. <laughs> I've always been this, so I'm always going to be that. Mm-hmm. This is just who I am. This is just who I am. And I even said it the other day, and I went, oh, Yeah. Yeah, we've all said it. My dad said that to me yesterday. Yeah. Um, he's like, how you, you millennials are, are like, I don't know how you're so nonchalant. Like you don't care about anything. So like, what is there to care about? Why do I care about this other person? I mean, well, like I don't, when it comes to politics, let's say there's sides, there's two sides that we see that are at the forefront. There's other sides, right? But there's two. And we imagined it yesterday and having a conversation with my dad and he's like, well, you know, there's, there's all these people on the, on the right and they're complaining about this and they're starting all these problems and why can't everyone just uh, comply? And I was like, well, you could do that. You could be on your side, you could be on this side, or you could be on over here with me, sipping my coffee and just laughing, living my life. And it's a, it's, the perspective that I've adopted is why why be involved well, unless I have to be right or I'll be involved when I'm ready I'm like Batman when they need me I'll, I'll be there when it hits your front door <laughs> exactly I'll the be ready is, though is this, I'll be this ready hit my front door the things that I'm passionate about mm. hit my front door and, and now and now you're taking action yeah and I, I started taking action a while ago. I just didn't know what the action was and what the what the overall mission was until now. I mean, the the tagline for my podcast is healing the collective through the healing of the individual. Mm-hmm. So it's really about societal health and societal change through the individual health and the individual change. And it's up to each one of us as and even even though you think that you're sitting back. As you sit back and you work on yourself and you develop yourself, you're inspiring all these others and you're a catalyst for so many others to heal and for the collective to heal. So, um, you know, energy is everything, right? Mm -hmm. We're all energy and our vibrations are everything and it's contagious one way or another with a high vibe or low vibe, like that's contagious. Mm -hmm. So you are making, you are making decisions. Wow. Yeah, more rabbit holes. 
<laughs> well, that's what you'll come on my podcast to talk about. I will. Right? Yeah, I will. Rabbit holes. We can talk about that in I general. Love rabbit holes. Uh, anything more. And we'll definitely, yeah, let's do that soon. Um, so we've been going for a while. This is, this is wonderful. I could do this all day. Uh, I really can. I enjoy this so much. Podcasting has become one of my favorite um, parts of what I do because a lot of it is like, wait, we get to talk through ideas with people who get it because uh, we're very choosy about who we pick for our podcasts. Um, and right, we get to talk to rad people. Where, uh, where can people find your podcast? Is it with the Reparenting Revolution? Is that it? The Reparenting Revolution, yeah. Spotify, like Google, um, Apple. There's only 11 episodes out. Uh, mm -hmm. That's the, my first season. I talk a lot about feeling safe and how to, um, you know, listen to your fellow human and in their need to just feel safe and how we're all screaming at each other because we just want to feel safe. So I talk mm -hmm. about that a lot. And season two is going to be more about um, the people who are inspiring the revolution mm. and what that looks like and how, what actions we can take to move forward. I like it. I like that a lot. I'm stoked. Profound. And anything else you'd like to share? What's, if you were to, if you were to write a fortune cookie, what would it say? on the spot you are your words mm. so use them wisely yes be careful yeah i like that thanks sammy oh well you would think i'm a writer or something it came out of nowhere i would think <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you so much matt <laughs>